importance of, of, of who this man is. Yeah, Romy, I think it's not just about Luke Emil, but I think the, the incident that happened in Yanga has actually exposed uh, this problem that's been happening around the continent. Uh, as you rightfully mentioned, he did coach uh, in South Africa. I think he was here at the three clubs mm-hmm. over a period of three to four seasons. There were talk of, of some incidences at those clubs. I know there was a much publicized incident uh, with uh, coach Steve Pompella while he was at the uh, Chiefs. Uh, sadly, some of the media uh, preferred not to mention it, you know. Uh, I, I think uh, prior to him coming to South Africa, uh, at Tristan Stars, I mentioned to some of the people in the media and in the football circles that this guy has a very bad track record. Mm. And if you look at it, he's been around the continent for about 10 years, from countries like Algeria to Rwanda, DRC. He actually had very nasty experiences in uh, Rwanda and DRC. And uh, he doesn't seem to change, you know. I mean, he, after this incident in Tanzania, he, he had a press conference to apologize. But uh, I think it was a bit too little too late because yeah. he has a history of, of, of disrespecting African people, disrespecting our culture, disrespecting our football. And he's just plain racist, you know. So... It drove us as coaches to say, no, it's time we need to make a stand, you know. And uh, we wrote to Safa, we engaged the Safa leadership to say, look, this is the situation. And uh, I think uh, South Africa as a whole, not just the football fraternity, mm. needs to make a stand because we all know our terrible history under apartheid. But Sudesh, why do we have to wait? Why do we have to wait for the bomb to explode? And I understand, I understand the power that the media holds in this country. And as you said, certain media decided not to go to press with it. But Safka has a voice too. Why did Safka not, you know, bolster that voice and make that voice heard? Why did we have to wait when there have been telltale signs all along? Yeah, I think you you have a bit of a point there. You're right, but uh, uh, unfortunately, the media doesn't always uh, write what uh, we would like them to write or say what we would like. Uh, even like when this coach went to Tanzania, I personally notified uh, some of friends in the media there and in the football circles that this guy has a terrible history and please warn the club about him. But nothing happened. Likewise, Steve Compeller himself wrote to every PSL club. He, he, he wrote to the media, uh, various uh, sectors of the media, but uh, sadly no one published or no mentioned anything about it, you know. So as much as we would like to be uh, pro, proactive, we also need the help of uh, the media, you know, people in the media. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think, yes, uh, it is similar kind of thing to what has been happening in, in, in Europe. You know, racism in sport, in America, the Black Lives Matter movement, I think it takes certain uh, things to trigger, to, to, to create the what they said the moment, you know, yeah, where people yeah. have to act. And uh, yes, uh, I agree with you. Things should have been done, uh, uh, you know, at a higher level in the past. But it, it wasn't. So we had to seize the moment and, and uh, discuss with Safa that uh, let's take some action. And I must say, uh, the president, uh, uh, Dr. Danny Jordan, and his executive immediately uh, latched on to the idea and they wrote to the South African government to say this man must not be allowed in the country and not be allowed a work permit if, if, if he ever any club wants to employ him.
road to CAF and to FIFA to ask mm-hmm. them for more measures to be taken because what we want is to send a strong message. As you say, yes, we might, uh, as, as a football fraternity, might have been uh, guilty of acting a bit too late, but let it also teach us that let's be uh, proactive and have a bit of foresight to warn other foreign coaches coming onto the continent, you know, that... Yeah. Uh, Let's respect people's culture and respect uh, people generally, you know, mm. especially after Africans. Mm. Is this the first incident of its kind? Uh, it isn't, you know. We, we talk of racism in sport. It's rife. It's there. It rears its ugly head all the time. But as Safka, what are the rules? Is it okay you get three warnings if there's an inkling even of racism? Or is it it is just not tolerated the end? Yeah, uh, I have to agree once again, uh, Romy, with your thoughts, because we are in talks at the moment with tougher leadership to, to, to come out with much more stronger measures, because as you rightfully say, just banning one coach is not enough, you know. Mm. Uh, so we're looking at, at, at how we're going to make it a bit more difficult for, 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 for coaches like this to come onto the continent. We're looking at even mm. being a, a bit more visionary to to enforce with at club level that they have certain clauses inserted in coaches' contracts, you know, like a, even an anti-racism clause, yeah. that any coach found guilty of, 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 of racist uh, behavior or statements... Does it not exist, fired, you know? Does it not exist so, already? Uh, no, I don't think any club has those things. Yes, you have things of, of uh, values and ethics and morals, but I think it needs to be uh, defined uh, straight to, mm. to anti-racism clause, you know, whereby... A coach is fired immediately, and there's no grounds for compensation. And maybe even hit him hard in his pocket that way he's got to compensate the club, you know. Yeah. So I think that's one of the measures. But then I think we need to go a bit further. I think also in our education, coach education, football education, we need to have some of these uh, diversity and, 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 and uh, classes on anti-racism, you know, inserted in those programs. Uh, because I think definitely uh, it, it's not just football. I think as, as human beings, as Africans, uh, we have to take any step possible to, to educate people of the evils of racism. Mm. And I think South Africans especially should take a leading role in this because yeah. of the path that we come from. And I admire your strong uh, stance uh, on this also, you know. So definitely I think it's not just football. I think any human being anywhere in the world, especially on the African continent, must come out uh, very vibrantly against any any form of, of racism. Because mm, you know? mm, mm. I'm thinking, are we tolerant? Are we tolerant as a nation, as South Africans, based on the past that we come from, where you'd rather just sweep it under the rug as opposed to you know, taking the bull by the horns because that is harder. It's hard and it might even, you know, take you back to a place that you don't want to remember. We don't want to remember an apartheid South Africa and we don't want racism. But do you think we're tolerant in in that fact or, or we don't really want to face it and so therefore brush it off rather? Absolutely, uh, Romy. I think uh, the key word you use is tolerance, you know. Uh, it's a word that I, 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 actually, I actually hate because... When you say you tolerate something, it means there's something that you are trying to, to, to hide, you know. Mm. So as you rightfully mentioned, we like sweeping things under the, uh, the, the carpet. And when you say, are we tolerant, I think the mere fact by, by using that word or having that kind of uh, attitude to, to tolerate something, it means 
you actually don't like it, you know. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think this is where we need to really think deeply. We need to, 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 to ask those difficult questions. I know a lot of people like to push this aside. We see the talk uh, uh, coming openly now about racism in cricket in rugby. Mm. So it's time for that difficult talk. We need to address that elephant in the room because I think uh, being a relatively new democracy, we're not even uh, 30 years old, we need to address these things. And uh, recently I was in a Zoom meeting where in Western Cape they are talking about these things in rugby and cricket. And we had the former premier there, uh, Comrade Ibrahim Rasul. He came up with a very, very uh, good idea to have a sort of a PRC in, in sport, you know, because mm. I think South African sport, we have not transformed, you know. Where the country has transformed to a certain degree. But I think in sport, we need to, to celebrate the black heroes who played the game, you know, uh, pre-apartheid era, in the 50s, in the 60s, people who gave their lives on the sports field for the country, people who sacrificed played in World Cups or at Olympics, so that now we have the opportunity to do so, you know. Mm. So mm. until we address those, our past, I don't think we can go into the future because we still have uh, biggest in our, especially in rugby and cricket, we still say that ridiculous, ridiculous things like all lives matter, you know? Yeah. I mean, if that is the case, where, where were they in the apartheid era to, to, to tell the leaders and the government that all lives matter, all lives mattered at that time? Did the black lives matter? Mm. I mean, the apartheid itself was a form of, of, of uh, privilege. Yeah. Uh, it, it privileged a certain sector of, 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 the, uh, of, of uh, our society. And now they complain about quota systems in sport. But apartheid itself was a quota system because it was aimed at, uh, at empowering and, and giving a certain sector privileges. Mm. So I think we need to be brave enough, we need to be honest enough and address these things. And I'm glad that uh, you yourself, your producer, and this platform, Radio 2000, is, is, is being brave and honest because I think a lot of people are not brave enough to talk about these issues. But... Uh, we want to wonder why we don't move forward as a society, why our, our national teams don't excel at, this, at a certain level. Mm. But it's a hard conversation have, to have, Sudesh. It, it really is. In, uh, jogging to his hotel, you know? Mm. Mm. It's a hard conversation to have, and I said to the listeners when I said hello to them, I said, it's a tough it's a tough conversation and we're going to have it because as much as we go back to the apartheid era and we think and we use that word tolerant, I'm thinking, or oh, are we hungry as South African, perhaps even clubs, you know, to get the expertise that lie outside of South Africa instead of taking a look at local coaches and giving them that opportunity? Absolutely, Romy. And, and I think this is where we as a coaches association are driving it. It's not just about uh, this uh, races rent by, by one crazed uh, mm-hmm. coach, you know, foreign coach. Our whole uh, agenda is about the empowerment and, uh, and uh, you know, education of local coaches, South African coaches, African coaches, uh, and, and even further, black coaches on the continent. I mean, you look at the, the crisis in European football, uh, in, in the English Premier League, uh, uh, close to 50% of the players are of African heritage. Yet there's not one black coach. Mm-hmm. Likewise, we come down to South Africa and the African continent. When are we going to empower and, and give our uh, local coaches uh, a chance? I mean, recently a Nigerian coach was the first black coach to win a, a, a league title in European football mm-hmm. with his club in Albania, taking them to the UEFA Champions League. 
So, so those are few and far between. And we bring it down to South African and African football. You and I know, you've been in the game a long time, you know a lot of the so-called, uh, I remember the late Stephen Cash, called them plumbers. I will even call them some other word that we can use in the media. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. A lot of them are just pure opportunists who are unknown in their own countries in Europe. Just because they wave a UEFA certificate in our uh, club officials' eyes, and we think they are superior. But you and I know a lot of them have come to South Africa and the continent and have never added value. Yes, they are, I have to acknowledge, there are a few foreign coaches who have come, but they are few and far between. Because we want, if a foreign coach comes to South Africa or the continent, he must come here because of a highly valued skill that he has, that he's got something that the local coach doesn't have. Mm. But we've mm. seen our local coaches of itself. We've seen what people have done in the Champions League. We've seen what Devon Hunt has done. We've seen what Kevin Johnson has done. Yes. Uh, and Malisela. I can go on and on. And, 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 and likewise, I mean, you, you look at it at national team level. Recently, I speak to a highly respected Nigerian coach, and they cry about the same thing. You had the, the late, great uh, Shaibo Amadou. He qualified Nigeria national team for two World Cups. On the eve of the World Cup, they drop him and they bring a, a foreign mm, coach. Mm. Likewise, in South Africa, yes. we had Clive Barker who won the AFCON. On the eve of uh, the World Cup in France, he dropped and a foreign coach he got. So I think it's much more than that. Only. I think it's the mindset of, of, of uh, possibly the officials or politicians whereby uh, we believe that anything that comes out of Africa is <laughs> superior to what we have, you know. Outside, and yes, yeah. it's time we start believing our own people and empowering our own people. So I think it's about liberating the mindset, about believing that uh, Africa, Africans, Black is so beautiful, you know. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to have a talk shop, Sudesh. You and I are talking, we're talking about things that make sense to you and I within this context and the realm of relevance and what happened, as you said. That might have been one incident. There are many others that go untouched. Where are the solutions, the implementations, and, and by when? By when can we see a clause um, on a contract uh, for a coach? The winning point that you mentioned there, I must say, uh, yeah, I think we've had enough of talk shops. As, as, as we spoke earlier, we said that it's time now to ask some difficult uh, questions. Uh, and, and, and the solutions, I think the solutions are only here if, if, if it's a collective effort, if there's unity in, uh, in, in our thinking, unity in our actions. And just to give you a bit of insight, you know, uh, there's something that we're going to be launching in the weeks to be coming. Uh, we've been doing Zoom sessions uh, locally to, to educate coaches that has now gone continental and over the last two, three weeks has now gone global. Mm. So much so that we've had interest from black coaches in USA, the Caribbean Coaches Association, that's Jamaica, those the West Indies. Uh, we've had coaches in Asia uh, joining us. Wow. And uh, surprisingly, in the last two weeks, uh, I, I don't like talking names, but it's black legends in UK who've been frustrated. They've heard what we're doing, and uh, some of the names uh, you know them, and some of those people you know them personally because they played for big clubs in the EPL. Mm-hmm. They very big uh, figures in, in the world of football, and they're frustrated what's happening in Europe and in English football, whereby uh, former black legends uh, are never given coaching opportunities. So the aim is, uh, I think this is where you spoke about solutions. The aim is we're not going to wait for people to, to, to do something for us. 
we are, we are we are we are forming a movement, a global movement of black coaches, uh, with with one aim: is just to empower black coaches to be treated fairly. As the movement of Black Lives Matter, I think we need to make the world aware that black coaches exist. You know, mm-hmm. you you can't be having the game dominated by by black players and players of African heritage. But when it comes to the management of the game, the administration, the coaching of the game. Black people are not good enough uh, to do that, you know. Definitely, so mm-hmm. we will be, 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 be launching something in, in the weeks to come. Uh, we just in uh, talks, and uh, luckily we have Safa and people at CAF also backing this uh, movement. You know, that's good. So I think that's something interesting and, and exciting that's going to come out of COVID. I think COVID has given us as much as it has caused a lot of devastation, but it has always also given us a chance to to rewrite some of the wrongs and and to and to be creative, you know. Mm-hmm. Thank you, thank you for your chat. Uh, thank you for your time this afternoon. And please, I mean, we'll give you a buzz from time to time just to see how far the process is, and hopefully you'll update us here on Radio Two Thousand. Thank you, Romy. It's a pleasure to be on your platform and uh, let's hear some of those old school vibes again. (laughs) Perfect. Thank you so much, Sudesha. It is uh, Safka, the head of High Performance there, just chatting about what happened. And I like what he says. Uh, we take a look at the Luke Emile incident and, uh, you know, the ranting and raving and the calling of names, monkeys and dogs. And we take a look at that and we try and put it into perspective because, yes, it's a, it's that isolated incident that has had a ripple effect. And you take a look back and you think of all the other incidents that have happened that have gone untapped and unnoticed. So Black Lives Matter, he says, on that, Safka will be doing their own um, program and project. And we'll chat, uh, check in with Sudan. Um, just to see. It's one thing to have a talk shop. It's another thing to see solutions and implementations to make it real, you know, and as he said, to hit the coaches where it hurts most and and that is their their pockets um, so that we do not see racism in in sport and we start seeing um, it disappear, it dissipate. It takes me back to, to high school, actually, where I could tell you a lot of stories of racism, just being a person of color at a predominantly white school. Uh, but I won't go there because I think 26, seven years on into a democracy, there's got to be change. If a country can change, I'm sure in sport, there can be that change too. Still trying to keep warm from the chill out in the air? Then join SABC3 for Hot Weekend Movies. This week on Friday, join us for Nick of Time, then on Saturday for War of the Worlds, and finally on Sunday, Love and Other Drugs. Hot Movies, this week at 9.30pm, Friday to Sunday, only on SABC3. Radio 2000 has signed a code of conduct that is enforced by the Broadcasting Complaints Commission of South Africa. Under the code, we're committed to giving news that is accurate, comment that is fair, and programming that is not harmful to children, does not amount to hate speech, or the description of gratuitous violence or explicit sex. If you think we're not living up to this code, you can inform the Broadcasting Complaints Commission of South Africa. Direct any complaints in writing to the Broadcasting Complaints Commission of South Africa, P.O. 